Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jason Rice Show. Best Friday ever. All right, so today's kind of a, it's a real personal topic, obviously. I mean, this is kind of big time. I'm talking about why I quit drinking and what it has been like here, I guess, now we're over three years into this. I have not had a drink in, I want to say it's been close to four years, and I just thought I would... I actually got this idea, just full transparency. Chris Williamson, who has a podcast, uh, Modern Wisdom, uh, great podcast. And he actually did kind of a recap of not drinking for a thousand days, I think. And I thought, you know, that's that's pretty good because he made a good point when I was listening to his episode about this. He made a very good point. Alcohol and not drinking is one of the only forms of quote-unquote drugs that people actually think something's wrong with you if you don't use. Have you noticed that? It's one of those deals where like whenever I tell people, and I try not to make a big deal out of it, like if we're, if I'm at a restaurant or a bar with someone and they offer me a drink, I don't say, yeah, no thanks, I don't drink. I'll just go, no, I'm good. Because yeah, I don't like that, that to be that guy, the one that's like, you know... Um, uh, no, I, I don't drink. You know, that that to me is kind of obnoxious in a way. You know, so anyway, uh, but it's weird. People are like, huh, you don't drink. And then all of a sudden, they will change their behavior. It's almost like if I say to someone that I don't drink, that they take that as a hidden signal that I think there's something wrong with them because they do. Uh, if it's it's weird. Uh, so anyway, I thought that it would be good to come on and just talk about the benefits and kind of what life was like back whenever I was, in fact, a drinker, because I'll be honest with you, I loved to drink. I've said it before on this show, I love scotch. Excuse me, for those of you who just li- are just listening and not watching this on the YouTube channel, I just took a sip of my um, Ticino Rosé tea. This stuff is awesome. It's my mushroom blend tea. I drink that now instead of alcohol. And so I thought that I would explain to you some of the great benefits that I have seen and why I decided not to drink. And then, you know, if, if you find something that you might decide is useful for you and, you know, hey, try it for a week or two or whatever. But understand, this episode is not to try to tell you don't drink, that you should become a teetotaler or anything like that. I'm not actually not trying to, I don't know, do anything other than just g- give you uh, a firsthand account of someone who had a long history of drinking alcohol and just decided no more. Okay, so first of all, let me tell you about my background as to my and my relationship with alcohol. So I grew up drinking from a very young age, but not like a lot of kids, not like a lot of teenagers who go out, get lit and pastor parties and, and that sort of thing. That's not what I did. My father was really cool about this. So my dad always allowed us to drink as long as we drank with him at home at a pretty young age. And so I never really had a reason to drink behind my dad's back. And that was always kind of the stipulation. He's always like, look, I don't mind if you drink. And because my dad's a beer drinker. My dad has, as long as I can remember, my dad liked to drink beer and um, that's just that was just one of his favorite pastimes, and, and that's one of my favorite pastimes with my dad back in the day was just hang out and drink drink beer, and and so his deal was just don't do it behind my back, and he would even go so far as to say, but if you do, 
Don't ever get behind the wheel of a car. Call me. I will not get on to you. Just be responsible. So because my dad exercised so much trust in me at such a young age, I just never wanted to betray that trust. So I really never was the kid that went out and got you know, hammered out behind my dad's back or something like that, all the way into college. And man, as as many of you know, when you get off to college, the kids that were growing up in these rep- repressed households where alcohol was taboo, no, 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 you can't do that, especially where I'm from. I'm from the South. I'm from right in the buckle of the Bible Belt. So a lot of these kids, they grew up with an upbringing of the staunch Southern Baptist, which is, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist, where this whole don't drink, don't dance. And, you know, while the parents have alcohol in the house, most of them, they just keep it hidden from their their children. And, you know, one of my favorite jokes is, um, you know, the never take a Baptist fishing with you because he'll drink all your beer. And, you know, I'm telling you, a lot of us Baptists have lived up to those stereotypes. And so that's how I grew up. I drank from a very young age, and then as I got older, when I was in college, that's when I discovered scotch. And here's how that happened. Uh, it was out of pure laziness, essentially. I I thought I wanted to be sophisticated, and so I started drinking gin and tonics at first. But see, after I came home from work, because I worked my way through college, and I'd come home in the evenings, and I would make a gin and tonic. But that requires slicing a lime. I know, really Really, really tough, right? And mixing some tonic and then pouring gin. And I wanted something where I could throw ice in a glass and pour. That was it. And the only thing I could think of where that I thought had a level of sophistication with it and that you could do that very thing was scotch on the rocks. So I go to the local liquor store in Nacogdoches, Texas, and I buy a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. And a love affair ensued. This was my senior year of college, I guess, and I became a regular after-work drinker at, at that point. I would uh, come home from work after I graduated school, and I was in, a, in the out in the quote-unquote real world. I would come home, and I would have a couple of scotches before dinner almost every night. And then off and on, I would drink more or less. You know, Sometimes I just like wouldn't drink at all hardly. Uh, other times I drank quite a bit. I would always have a, you know, some beer in the fridge. I loved micro brews and I'm a big Guinness drinker. God, I love Guinness. It's so good. And so th- I just, I had a taste for alcohol. And then when, when I would go home, my brothers and I, and my dad, we would just, I mean, we would crack the first beer open around 11 AM on over the holidays or during the summer or something at my, my parents' house. And that's what we would do all day. We would just sit around, drink beer, and it was great. It was a great social environment, and no one got out of hand. It was just fun. But then there came a point where, probably around 40, I'm 47 now, where that's where this whole improve always and always, although I I had not spoken that, I didn't have the podcast, I just decided at that point I really wanted to take my health and wellness to a different level. But there was a pivotal moment in all of this. And it's weird. So it came about the time that I met my wife, Jemlin. And a lot of people, because it was right when I met her that I decided to no longer drink, a lot of people had this idea, oh, so Jim and Jemlin doesn't drink. And so they think that that's why I don't drink. Oh, you don't drink because your wife doesn't want you to drink. I'm pretty sure that's what my family thought. Oh, this new girl you're dating and that you're going to marry, she doesn't drink. So now you don't drink and she doesn't want you to drink. 
And that's not true. Um, Jimlin could care less if I, if I drank. I mean, she's, she likes that I don't, but she could care less if I did. And so I, and it, it was weird. So I was at the beach with Rylan and Abby uh, where I used to drink on the, I'd have beer on the beach. And I guess it was about the day before we left, I decided, I don't think I'm going to have any more beer. I think I'm out. I, now, now, here's the thing too. And for those of you who may be toying with this idea of not drinking, at least for a period of time, if not forever, this is what I did in that first year. I refused to say, I don't drink. Instead, I just would, that way it made it easier so that if I went somewhere and someone said, oh, because it's weird. Like I said earlier, you go somewhere and everybody's drinking and you're the person that doesn't. People go, oh, you don't drink? It's, that happens a lot. And what I would say is, no, I'm not saying I don't drink. I'm just choosing not to right now. If I wanted to, I would, but I, I just don't. And so I did that for probably a good year and a half. And also I think it was a mental thing. I didn't want to be so um, staunch in my mind to make, make to create a, I don't know if it, you'd call it a false battle. I don't, know, I don't know. There was something just psychological about it that I didn't want to say, no, I don't drink. Because then if I say, I don't drink, then the first minute I want to, I'm like, oh my God, I've got to live up to this standard that I've created. I don't drink. And so I just, for the longest, never really made any, you know, pronouncement that, you know, hey, I don't drink alcohol and I plan to never drink again. As a matter of fact, I can still remember being uh, at my brother's lake house one time and I didn't want to drink. Everyone was drinking. And my sister-in-law said, yeah, but you would have a drink if you wanted to. And I was like, sure, if I wanted to, I would. Now the answer would be, no, I would not. I, my plan is to never have another drop of alcohol for the rest of my life. And that gets us into the benefits. And I, that's where I want to get to this. This is what I have seen as a result of no longer drinking. So first of all, I used to have this magic weight number. Let's talk just about weight management. Now, because my drink of choice was scotch, which is low carb, uh, not a whole lot of calories in the grand scheme of things, but if you do any research at all, you will find that alcohol, once it hits your body, it leads to a lot of things like more eating more, right? Okay, you will eat more if you if you drink because you you're you're you, it has a um, the narcotic effect of it will actually cause you to just basically go ah, what the hell I don't care what time it is I'm hungry I'm going to eat you, so your senses are lower your senses are numbed you're not your mental uh, acuity it, it, it's lower right so you will eat more also the alcohol will turn into sugar in your body and your glucose levels will increase as a result of the way the the alcohol is processed in your body so just thinking that because you're drinking vodka or scotch or something like that alcohol instead of beer that there's absolutely no uh instance of weight gain, that's not true. Also, what I would do, I had created an environment where, or a trigger, which was Mad Men, which was my favorite show at the time, and watching Don Draper drink his Scotch Old Fashions, or rather he just drank Old Fashions with Canadian Club, and which I, which became one of my adopted drinks, which does have sugar and other things in it that are terrible for you. But also, whenever I would sit down to watch Mad Men, I would have a big old bag of uh, Stacy's Naked Pita Chips. I love those things. So, Sitting down almost nightly. Now, this is when I was single. This was before Jemlin came along. I would sit down by myself, and I would have two or three scotches, half a bag of Stacy's pita chips, all before dinner, right? 
And so you're, I'm talking, we're talking like consuming an extra thousand calories. And when I look back at pictures back in those days when I didn't think I was that fat, holy crap, my face is swollen, my waist is swollen. And here's the cool thing as it relates to weight management. Now, I worked out diligently every single morning, went on walks. I did a lot of the same things that I do now. Probably didn't eat quite as well, but I still had a pretty, uh, pretty strict diet even then, but I was still just kind of bloated. And my weight was always somewhere between, I don't know, 210, 215. Now, at one point, uh, I got up to 234. I mean, that's a lot of weight. I was heavy, and it was fat. I looked at the big meathead in the gym with just, you know, fat-covered muscle. It was so gross. I didn't realize it at the time until one time I looked at a picture of myself, and I go, oh, my Lord, that is me? And then now when I look back on it, I still, I'm just like, I cannot believe that ever happened. But by this time I was around, I usually maintained a weight somewhere in the 215 range. And I was kind of bloated and, and I, and I wanted, I had this magical number of 195 that I always wanted to weigh. And I had basically convinced myself that there's no way I can lift weights and maintain some lean body mass and work out the way I do. And also weigh 195. I just, I can't do it. My, my body won't allow for it. Well, lo and behold, I can tell you, I hit well, I hit 195 and then I dropped below it. I got a little too low, a little too low for Jimlin's liking once I got my Peloton especially. Uh, and no drinking. I got down well below 195. It was just, and I'm telling you, it was like winning the lottery. I couldn't believe it. I had not weighed 195 since I, since I guess the year I graduated from college in 1997. So I'm 22 years old. So this is like nearly 20 years later. And I was like, oh, wow. And so that was one of the things. Now, here is another thing. Now, here is the lifestyle choices I was making. Now, granted, this wasn't all due to the fact that I was drinking alcohol, but it definitely made this lifestyle a lot easier. So there's two big contributing factors, I think, to what I'm, what the, the post-alcohol era is. One, as far as benefits, one, I stopped drinking. And I think that had a lot to do with some of the things I'm about to tell you. And number two, I met Gemlin, which was a complete life changer, as you can imagine. So when I was a bachelor, this is what, these are some things that I did as a bachelor and while being a drinker. Again, a correlation, yes, absolute, if, this, then. I can't, I'm not going to say this, but nevertheless. So I probably watched every single episode of The uh, the Sopranos. I watched every episode of Mad Men multiple times. I watched all of Breaking Bad. I watched, uh, oh, this is so embarrassing. I watched every episode of the first four seasons, I think, of Southern Charm to the to the extent that I actually went back and bought previous episodes because I was a latecomer to that show, that horrible, mindless, brainless crap of a show. Um, I would, I told you I would eat way too many pita chips and just, just, I mean, I, I probably, I might read a book every, I don't know, month, if that. Um, I was just, I would just waste so much time. I was such a time waster. And and I still, the only thing that I did really well consistently through it all, no matter how much I had to drink, was exercise. I would do physical training every 
single day. That's just that's just always been a part of my DNA. Since not drinking, my productivity has gone through the roof. Again, a lot of this has to do with Gemlin as well. That just a, a, having the right woman in your life changes everything. And if ever there were the right woman for me, it is Gemlin right. My God, I win the lottery every single morning when I wake up. But here are some things that I've done since I stopped drinking completely. Two books published, started this podcast, uh, actually created a media company. I have started a an executive coaching business. I read a book a week now. I have launched a coaching app that should that where I can actually deliver all of my coaching and material and everything to to a greater scale. Uh, that's just to name a few. And I now exercise even harder than I ever did before. I lost the weight. I told you I'm down to, I, I maintain a weight of around 195 to 198, uh, a body fat percentage that the last time I went to the doctor to do it, but before I quit drinking was 24%. I was pissed. I mean, I, I mean, it's so wild how, I mean, I've got the opposite of anorexia. I heard Ben, um, I'm not Ben Affleck, but uh, Matt Damon say this one time. He said, whatever people have that have anorexia and the way they see themselves, they, they see themselves as fat and so and even when they're not, and that's the disease. He said, I'm the opposite of that. I see myself as fit when, in fact, I'm really kind of fat. That's how I was. I saw myself as pretty fit, but really I was fat. And then I go to the doctor, and she puts me on the uh, DEXA scan, and I was 24% body fat. I was so Ist. And so now I maintain a body fat percentage of around, you know, 10 to 12 percent. A lot of that, I don't think. Now, some people can do this. I get it. Some people can do this. Some people can drink on a regular basis and still maintain great body fat percentages, low weight. They're still productive. They can do all those things. I just don't happen to be one of them. I truly believe that if I were still drinking, uh, I would not be. I would not be where I am. I wouldn't be as productive and I wouldn't be doing things. I wouldn't be doing this podcast and I wouldn't have the motto of improve always and always. And this was one of my first big challenges, to be honest with you. Uh, I told you it came before the improve always and always mantra, but nevertheless, now it is definitely a part of living up to that. Okay. Because I do believe that part of my physical health and my mental health and improving that always has to do with never drinking again. So I'm here to say to you that my plan is to never have another drink of alcohol as long as I live because the benefits have been just too great. Here's another thing that's been awesome. When I go to a social event, I am never as tired the next morning. I don't. Hangovers are gone. I don't deal with hangovers. It's not a thing. Uh, as a result of not having hangovers, I don't eat terribly the next day after drinking alcohol. When I'm at a party, if I say something that makes me look like a jackass, it's because I'm just being a jackass. It can't be blamed on the alcohol. No one can ever say, oh my God, you hear what Jason Wright said? He must have had too much to drink. But the better point is because I'm always in control and my tongue is never loose as a result of, as a result of being uh, lubricated with alcohol, I don't say, I'm able to maintain my composure. And I don't have to go back. I don't know about you, but for some reason, whenever I used to drink and I go out to a, a happy hour or some other social setting, man, that night lying in bed or the next day, 
I would be replaying all the conversations in my mind going, what did I say? Did I say anything that might've pissed somebody off? Did I say anything that might've been offensive? And now I don't have, that's, I don't have to worry about that. I can be driving in, in, in the city at, you know, one or two in the morning. And let's say that I roll through a, a stop sign. I get pulled over. I never have to worry about a, a sobriety test. That's nice. I don't have to worry about it. By the way, side note, it's one of the reasons why I always drive the speed limit. It just, just makes it more peaceful. I, I, the reason why I color inside the lines is because I just like the peace of mind that comes with it. And that's one of the things that has happened with not drinking alcohol. I just don't have to worry about any of the adverse impacts or the adverse ramifications that happen as a result of drinking alcohol. I do believe my mind is infinitely sharper. My memory is better. My memory, my thoughts are clearer. Um, I'm a much calmer person than I once was, and I don't know that that can be directly related, traced to not drinking, but I can tell you it, um, I think it is. Um, what else? My focus. My focus is a lot better, and that's the thing too. I think because I never drink, I constantly stay sharp, other than if I have, you know, and there's other things that can contribute to lack of mental acuity and being on your in your A game, it's such as not having enough sleep. Those that'll happen, or eating a bunch of sugar the night before, and you wake up the next day and you feel lethargic or just grumpy, uh, and your your your, your thoughts. So there's other things that can contribute to not being at your best besides alcohol. But I can tell you that has been one of the the great things, and that's that's one of the things that I really really wanted as a result of not drinking was I want to be as clear headed as humanly possible at all times. That is something I just really, um, I crave. And so this has, I think really helped with always being clear headed again and never just meant I used to, in those last, um, months, days, whatever of drinking, I got to the point where I was just so fearful of having a hangover that it just became not worth it. With every drink, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to feel like at the next day? And and then secondly, you know, you, you read a lot of research that talks about how, especially when you hear about these centenarians that, um, that you find out they had a drink. There's, I mentioned Guinness earlier, which I absolutely love, and I do miss Guinness Stout, I'll tell you right now. Uh, but there was this lady that she had lived to be like 112, and one of the things she, that she accredited to it was that she had a pint of Guinness every day. And so you, you read these stories with a glass of red wine and the reversitrol in it and, and those sorts of things, but here's the thing I've never read. Those are kind of, you, 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 can, you hear both sides. Alcohol will do this, but it can also have this benefit, whatever. I've never read a study that said, Someone died early because they never drank alcohol. If that study's out there, I don't know where it is. I, I just, I don't think you could ever, con with a straight face, make the argument that, hey, here's the thing: if you never drink, you're probably not going to live as long. And I am on a mission to be in the Centenarian Olympics with Peter Atia. He's going to start them. I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I'm going to participate. I also came up with this crazy idea this past week that. I want to ruck 100 miles on my 100th birthday. That's what I want to do. I told Jimlin that this week, and like she does often, looked at me like I was nuts. But I'm like, I'm serious. 
And I'm not saying that I have to do it in one day or anything, but I don't care how long it takes. I want to be 100 years old and go for a 100-mile ruck. I think that'd be really cool. And so for me at this point in my life, and I told you this all started around 40, I realized some people have these midlife crises. I had what I think was like a, a midlife rebirth. I, I just decided I'm at the halfway mark. And, I, and this, this was coming out of some major depression, by the way. Uh, just some terrible things that happened in my life up to that point. Um, and by God's grace, I said, as I'm sitting there depressed in my office one day, I'm like, I got to turn this around. And so it started with uh, relaunching my first book that I'd written, Push, Push Play, Taking Your Life Off Pause. And then it became starting my first podcast, which was Texas Titans. And then it was allowing myself. I mean, I had resolved that I was never going to get married again. I was just, I was done. I, I, I had two beautiful and amazing daughters to show for my first marriage and that and a lot of scars and a lot of heartache. And so I was like, you know what? That part of my life is gone. I'm just going to live alone. And all of that then, I by happenstance, and you can listen to, I guess there's a, I think it's episode two maybe of James Quandall's podcast and episode one of uh, Mitchell Cohen's podcast where they both were so intrigued by my relationship with Jimlin that we got to talk about that on both of those shows. So you can learn more about that. I won't bore you with that sappy love story. But the bottom line is, it was, I finally at that age, and by then I was 43, decided my life is not over. I've still got a long way to go. And so I started taking account of the things that in this next, this second half of life, the things that would be there and the things that would not. And the things that will be in this second half of life life are the absolute best version of Jason Wright showing up each and every day, if possible. That's what the Improve Always and Always is all about. It's like, man, you guys today, you're hearing a version and hopefully the best version of Jason Wright that's ever existed. But God willing, next week, you'll hear an even better version. And so this all started to come to play. And when that became the idea to show up and create the best version of myself that I possibly could, alcohol didn't play into that. I couldn't say that to be my best self, I can also include alcohol. Because I knew that the non-alcoholic version of me was a better version. I just, I, that's just what I reconciled. And then again, yes, it has been easier for me. And this is something too, I think, to talk about. If, you, if you've read Atomic Habits or if you've read um, any of B.J. Fogg's work or anything related to habit formation, and in particular, breaking bad habits, the key ingredient, I mean, probably the single most important thing you can do is create an environment that is conducive to the habits you want to form. And here's what I mean by that, and here's why it relates to me not drinking alcohol. Jimlin doesn't drink. So it's really easy that the person I spend most of my time with never drinks alcohol. So I'm in a an, I'm in a, an environment with a close proximity to the person that I'm spending my life with that does not drink as well. So it makes it really easy. So I would just say whether it's if you decide that you want to maybe decommission alcohol from your life for a while, abrogate alcohol from your life for a while or completely, get a support group around you. 
Talk to your wife, talk to your kids, and decide no longer are we going to keep alcohol in the house. You know, the BJ, BJ Fogg uh, behavior model, it shows that you've got one or two things that you can manipulate, either the motivation or the ease of the habit that you're, that you're trying to either create or break. And as it relates to trying to break a bad habit, the motivation is going to be there for quite some time. Like for me, as long as there was alcohol in the house, and if I was willing to let the trigger of Mad Men, for example, be on my TV, then it was it made it, the motivation was there because I knew I would enjoy sitting down, pouring a glass of Lagavulin over ice and sitting down and watching Don Draper crush it at Sterling Cooper and and just sit there and sip scotch. If it's in my it's in my cupboard, I'm going to go grab it. It would be so easy. So the first thing that you have to do is make remove the ease cuz that 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 the motivation will probably be there until you make it hard. Making something hard to do will decrease the motivation. So there's no alcohol in the house. There's no scotch in the house. Get it out. It's gone. So I've got an environment that has no alcohol. I've got the proximity of another person that that is like-minded and supports this idea. And then I have, and so now my motivation has lowered and lowered to now I have no motivation to drink whatsoever. That did not come day one. I'm telling you, it wasn't like, like, you know, it it came much easier than I thought it would. I will admit that. Uh, And that has nothing to do with me because it was, uh, and, and the thing is too, thinking about it not having anything to do with me, if you try to just quit drinking cold turkey and use willpower to do it, yeah, it's probably not going to work. You've got to tackle the environment, the proximity to people close to you. Um, You've got to do some other things behaviorally beyond just willpower to not drink. Don't think that you're going to be able to keep a 12-pack of beer in the fridge for guests. You know, you'll just, it's just for guests. If people come over that do drink, I want them to be able to drink. I'm going to keep the liquor cabinet stocked because, I mean, after all, we're going to have guests. We're going to have Thanksgiving, and people like to have cocktails around Thanksgiving and the holidays. I want people to be able to come over here and drink. Yeah, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Get that stuff out. Create the environment that supports the habit that you're trying to develop. And so, and I can tell you, um, I feel better. I'm more productive. I'm more clear-headed. I, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about anything. If I go to a wedding and we're driving home, the wedding goes late, and for me, it means like past ten o'clock. I start getting grumpy and grumbling. Poor Jimlin, she can tell you, if we're at a wedding, a night wedding, and <laughs> it's ten thirty, I'm already bitching, saying it's time to go home. Um, I don't have to worry about driving home with alcohol in my system. It, it's very freeing. Uh, cheaper. Oh my gosh, Jimlin and I can eat out so much for so much less money than most people. We we actually talk about that because we go to nice restaurants. She and I, we are we're foodies. We love when we go to New York a lot, and when we go to New York, we want to go to our favorite spots, right? And um, we don't have to drink alcohol. And I'm sitting there going, you folks that do drink, whoa, that's a lot of money. I mean, a few cocktails at a table, and that's another steak. And I'm sorry, I just I'm too cheap for that. So you save a lot of money by not drinking. Um, and, and it's just so there's the health benefits. And then also, I think this is the thing too. So 
I've said this before, and probably people will think me think me so judgmental and bad for saying this, but at the risk of it, I'm going to go for it anyway. So just get ready. I have a hard time listening to a fat preacher. I really do. I really do. And to all the fat preachers out there, I'm sorry. I think the model is like an Andy Stanley, a John Piper, um, Matt Chandler. These guys are talking about the fruit of the Spirit, not the least of which of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, and they're, they're, they have a lean body mass. Again, it's not about vanity. It's just that, that shows me these guys control one of the most difficult things to control for a human being, and that is their food intake. And so they get instant, and again, is it judging a book by its cover? Yep. Is it wrong? Probably. I'm not saying I'm right on this, okay? Understand this. But if I see a big, fat preacher, try, a guy that is showing me cannot control his appetites, can't control himself to the point where he probably has hypertension, has insulin uh, resistance, is just not setting a good example. I just have a problem. So if I'm going to come in, come on here and be the improve always and always guys, and folks, listen, I've got plenty of other things that when if you were to look behind the curtain, you'd probably go, whoa, I'm listening to you. But I honestly, you know, being fully transparent, I try my best so that if you were to pull back the curtain, you'd go, holy crap, you're the real deal. That's what I always want. And those that are closest to me, I want them to go, dude, you're the real deal. And I think that's part of this. I think is, again, Showing up and being the best version of myself does not include alcohol. And I, I, I think that's something that I want to do to, um, to gain credibility with you, the audience. And so whatever situation you are in, let me tell you something. Going back to the whole deal of how alcohol is the only drug people will think you're weird for not taking. If you think that you're going to be at a business dinner and you're the one guy not drinking wine. You're the guy not drinking cocktails beforehand. And that's going to cause a bit of a conversation for about five or 10 minutes. And you're like, I just don't want that attention. I don't want to make people feel bad. I don't want to be, I just don't want people talking, Oh God, you're a teetotaler. And oh my gosh. And, and I don't want to be somebody that makes other people feel bad. Let me, let me rest your mind. Here's what's going to happen. Yes, that may happen initially. But almost 100% of the time, you will be an individual that will have a lot of respect at the table because the chances are, the chances of someone else wanting to get rid of their alcohol habit but just hasn't, had the courage or the stamina or the conviction, but they deep down like, I probably shouldn't do it to you. You know, you, what you do is you lend them an example and you will be respected for that in the end. And here's the cool thing. You know, one of the hardest decisions for me was to not drink with my dad because that was just something we shared. And I truly, truly enjoyed our moments of sitting down over beers and shooting the bull, laughing. It was so fun. And I thought, man, to, for that to go, it's going to suck. But 
here's what it looks like. I just got back this past weekend. My oldest daughter graduated from Alabama, and we took my parents with us. And you know what? I have so much fun ordering my dad his favorite IPAs as we sit down to dinner and getting to tell the waitress, keep them coming. Give my dad his IPA. That's what he wants. And you know what? Would he like me to probably be drinking one with him? Yeah, probably. But you know what? He also he also happens to like Topo Chico, which, as do I. And so I will sit there and crush Topo Chico, go toe-to-toe with him, Topo Chico to IPA, and it's just fine. We still have a good time. We still have fun and because we've, we've chosen to. So don't, so don't do like I did. For the longest, that's why I put off uh, testing myself as to whether or not I could pull this off. And um, it turns out, and also I didn't want my dad thinking I was judging him because my dad, he can be that way. If uh, if I start talking about something that I do for my health that he doesn't, he can tend to take that as, oh, so you're saying I should do it. And I didn't want that. I never wanted my dad to think I was judging him or anyone else for that matter. I don't want anybody to think that because I don't drink that I think they're bad or wrong because they do. Because they're not. They're absolutely not. And neither are you. But I can tell you, it has been one of the single greatest benefits of my life. More energy. I believe I've completely, it's one of the biggest factors of slowing the aging process. I really do. Uh, I'm trying my best to, uh, to slow that process. I haven't gotten quite to Benjamin Button level yet, but I'm trying. I'm trying to crack the Benjamin Button code. And again, it's one of those things where I just think, I just don't think alcohol fits into the equation. I'll leave you with this too. One thing that Matt Malinwick and Tim Ferriss, they were having a conversation about drinking tequila. First time I ever heard this. And they said that drinking too much is like stealing happiness from tomorrow. You know, and it is. It's like, okay, this can be really fun right now, but we're going to take away some fun we could have had tomorrow because the bottom line is if you overdo it, it's there's just going to be, you're going to have to pay the piper one way or another. So that's just a little bit about my experience with not drinking. If you still drink, cool. It's not, it's, I don't think it's a, it's not a scruples deal, but I just wanted to talk about that for a while. So hopefully that inspired you to maybe give it a try for just a little while for a week or whatever. If not, whatever. Let me know what you think. If you decide to go down the journey of no alcohol, please shoot me an email, jason at texttitans.com or leave some comments here. And uh, I want to know how you're doing and anything I can do to support you in your endeavor to not only not drink alcohol, but to improve always and always. I'd love to know. So I'm Jason. 